You know, maybe he ends up with a three-year deal at more money instead of the one-year $18 million deal that he has now, right? I wanted to get healthy, ended up not getting healthy. I was pretty disappointed that I missed that trip to go to Toronto. We go Donaldson straight up for Trout, and Chris is like, damn. No! <laughs> Hate them! <laughs> And welcome to episode 45 of Artificial Turf Wars, where you can't spell Rob Manfred without Mr. Born Deaf. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight, as usual, by Joshua Housem. Josh, how's it going? Good. And surprise, surprise, third man in our virtual booth, it is the one, the only, Chris Sherwin. Chris, welcome back. Thanks, guys. It's nice to be back. Uh, now, we were going to play the shady guess who's back for you, but <laughs> Bautista came back first, so it got taken up. For Bautista, I, I will accept this. Would you like me to play the boys are back in town over one of your answers tonight? Would that f- make you feel any better or no? That's not. Probably not, no. Okay, well, <laughs> you can't say I didn't offer you a little something something. Oh, my goodness. It is. Uh, we are wasting time, gentlemen, because it, it seems to be a big week. We have uh, the first week of spring training with an injury. Uh, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't rush into that. Josh Donaldson. We have talk about Pilar's strategy at the plate this year. We have uh, talk about Devin Travis as a hitter. We have Russell Martin at the World Baseball Classic uh, due to insurance reasons, not behind the plate or out in the field. Jose Bautista sat down and talked about last year. We have some rule changes that are still going round and round in baseball. We have an interview with Mike Bolsinger, uh, who is looking for a spot on this roster. Uh, We have some questions, lots and lots of questions, I guess, from our listeners. We have a couple of do-overs, and we have some news, you know, which we'll save till the end of the podcast. There's my big teaser. Gentlemen, let us begin with what I referred to as the War of Attrition last week. Did we expect, Josh, the War of Attrition to begin with Josh Donaldson? <laughs> Considering he's like the most durable guy on this team. Pretty much. I guess the answer is no. Uh, you know, It was a bit scary, Josh Donaldson, not in camp because he felt something. That's what we heard. Felt something. Quotes. Full stop. <laughs> it's like, okay, what does that mean? Did he, you know... Did he feel something funny in his knee, Heart. in his shoulder? What? And then Josh Donaldson going for an MRI. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And then, uh, you know, two to three weeks. So, Chris, what do you think is the, uh, on a scale of one to ten, what is the reasonable level of panic when a player feels something and he's not a pitcher throwing 95 miles an hour? <laughs> well, I think, I think it depends on the player. Obviously, I, I, I was lucky enough not to catch any of this until the end of the day when it was all revealed. Uh, but if I'm sitting on Twitter and I see that Josh Donaldson felt something and isn't in camp, it's a full-on 10. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right away, 10. Right. Uh, Although- like I said, I, I, I was lucky enough to catch it at the end, and I just kind of brushed it off as like, ah, oh, you know, he, he battled through a calf injury all year last year, and he's literally made of nails. No big deal. Uh, then I found out a few days later that it's actually the other calf, not the one that bothered him last year. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, so this guy's got some leg issues. But um, it, the nice thing is that this is the nine zillion month long spring training. So he misses two to three weeks. He'll still have all of March. That That is going to come up over and over again, I swear. It is it's it is the thing I least like a world, about the World Baseball Classic. And I'm not a big fan of the World Baseball Classic. But this endless spring of, you know, looking for people who are not at the world baseball classic to, to fill out rosters and make trips and all this other stuff is, is, and then of course the inevitable conversations about guys not overdoing that or wearing themselves out over the, the extra whatever two two and a half weeks it seems like uh, it's just it it seems unnecessary but i guess what do you do well you know what whatever percentage of the rosters are off trying to make a world cup of baseball mean something 
Yeah. You know, and it's like, at least it happened now is all we can say, really, right? Yep. So, again, I reiterate, we are not going to gain any players from this point forward. There's only going to be injuries and losses. What a happy thought. Uh, moving right along, <laughs> Kevin Pillar is, is going to try something he's never tried before. Did you hear about this, Chris? I, actually, uh, Josh told me about it, yes. So he's going to try taking a walk now and again. Any theories as to why he waited, what, are we, were we year four in his major league career to, to try that? Chris? <laughs> were, we t- were you asking me? Yes! <laughs> I, have, I have my own thoughts about patience and hitting. Um, if he, he wants to try to be more patient, but I, I think the biggest issue with Pilar is just pitch recognition not so much patience. I, I think, I think those, those things kind of get blended together a little bit because I've actually written about this in the past where, you know, ball players need to be ready to swing at every single pitch. It's just like, it's a routine in your motion where you literally need to be ready um, with every single pitch and you're deciding as it's coming in, whether you're swinging or not. And we all know that he's super aggressive and he's absolutely ready to swing at literally everything. Um, but I, I think he just, he just gets too caught up in, in pitch recognition and we see him get absolutely baffled constantly by, you know, pitches bouncing four feet in front of the plate or miles outside. He just, he just doesn't have the eye. And I'm just, I'm a little concerned that if he's, he's getting too much into his head, then he's he's going to get into situations like we saw with Brett Lowry in his first few years where he's standing there watching pitches go right down the pipe, first two pitches, and then goes back to Kevin Pillar and just flails at something. And but this isn't what out. he's saying he's going to do. He's not saying, I'm going to go be more patient. The actual quote was, I'm going to go up there and hunt pitches, sit on pitches, and narrow my strike zone, and hopefully it's going to lead to more consistent contact hard contact, and an increased number of walks. So it's not that he's just going to go take more pitches. Basically, it's that he's going to go try to actually zone up better. So, so hopefully that, what, you, what you're talking say. about is... Well, yeah, obviously it's... <laughs> but it's good that he's trying to do it, right? I think it does oh, go uh, back of course, to Chris's... Ab- absolutely, yeah. ...point about pitch recognition, which is to say, um, if you really don't have that that eye if you've not developed that eye it doesn't matter what you're trying to do you can't think your way through it you have to be making that decision based on on some kind of training that as to this point pilar has not demonstrated that he has so yeah. i'm with chris well here. we'll see right well, yeah, but it's it's spring training this is when you're supposed to be working on stuff if it doesn't work it doesn't work right yeah we've seen guys i don't know like tulowitzki ditch the leg kick after spring training because it didn't work so, whichever, whichever it comes out. Um, Devin Travis is probably a nicer story about hitting in that John Gibbons thinks that maybe he could be one of the better hitters in baseball. Is, is, that, uh, is that just John Gibbons, Josh, shooting his, his mouth off? Or, or is that, you know, a legitimate praise? I, I think it's uh, somewhere in the middle. I mean, you know, the, one of the better hitters in baseball is really 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 high praise obviously right Mm -hmm. but i mean look at what devin travis has done in his first two seasons in the league if this guy was a full-time player we'd be talking about him as one of the best second basemen in baseball but just the fact is he hasn't been able to stay on the field but he can really hit so i mean if he stays healthy and continues to develop and he can put up the numbers that we've seen him put up i could see him at least being one of the better hittings at his position in baseball at the end of the year last year, though, he seemed to have lost his, his patience or his ability to, to take a walk. Uh, it was almost like he was, you know, he was really starting to press, but then, then that kind of got swept away as the Jays went into the playoffs and he got injured and everything else. Is that concern, do you think? I mean, you're putting a lot on just a very, very small sample at the end of the season. For the most part of his career, he doesn't walk a ton, but he does take walks and he gets the bat on the ball very well. I think he went like a month with one or two, I don't know. He, he, he dropped to Pilar levels of walkage, which was really strange to see from him. Although he, yes, continued to put the bat on the ball. I'm not disputing that. Um, 
I don't know. It just seemed like he was forming some bad habits at the end of last year that were not obviously, you know, allowing him to continue the kind of production he had. But I guess, yeah, the, the injury bug is probably the bigger worry. Yeah, but, you know, but the, the whole idea is still the same, right? He's shown that this he has really innate ability to hit the ball and hit the ball hard to all fields. So, you know, if he can stay on the field and he can, you know, continue to produce, we could be looking at a star player here. Amazing. And now if he can throw consistently to first base, he had some of the worst luck or the yips, or both, didn't he? It, it, for stretches last year. Uh, no, he he had a stretch where he just didn't make much in the way of plays. But overall, in the season, he actually had pretty good defensive numbers. There's that one two week stretch in in late August, early September, where he looked a little bit lost. But you know, he's a young guy, so it happens. Look at Josh with the positive attitude, Chris. Do you like that? Oh, I love it coming out of Josh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, Russell Martin wanted to play for Canada, wasn't allowed to play for Canada, uh, but they're going to let him sit on the bench for Canada. Um, do you think, Chris, he offers some real value as a coach for, for the Canadian team? Well, I mean, it, it obviously depends on age and whatnot. You know, he, he plays arguably the smartest position on the diamond, so obviously people are going to listen to him. Um, I, you know, as a fan of Canadian baseball obviously I was pretty jacked to see him play um but as a Jays fan I'm glad that he's not running out there and playing shortstop in a series that you know really does mean nothing is shortstop less taxing than catcher no (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not but he's you know a full-time catcher so the last thing we want to see is him you know just jerking around for a play up the middle and pulling a hamstring. And then we're all panicking like with Josh Donaldson. Yeah. I think the issue is that it's not so much that it's a more difficult or taxing position than catcher. It's that it's something it's movements. He's not used to making. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But as for the general question, I I think that the players are going to be happy that he's there just because there's not a lot of the star level Canadian talent that they hope for, which we talked about with Greg Hamilton last week. So at least having his face there shows that there's some Canadian commitment to the game. Which is cool. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I think it is more moral support or, you know, clubhouse chemistry than it is, you know, in a short series, actually giving people real tips on, on how to improve, right? I think. Yeah. But hey, anything that can help right, is good, right? Because this Canadian team is going to need help <laughs> all the help that can get. <laughs> uh we love the maple leaf uh you know as, as good canadians do but wow uh freddie freeman go man go um we also had a sit-down talk with jose bautista on last year's contract negotiations and how they didn't exactly uh this was the preseason negotiations um they didn't exactly go the way Jose, I guess, was picturing them or, or, and he didn't really say he would do them differently, but at the same time, he didn't say that he was happy with, with the way things turned out. Uh, he was kind of, no, he did. He, he did say he would do them differently. Oh yeah. He, he, sorry. He would say the same thing, but he wouldn't say it in the same forum. I, he wouldn't, I don't know. Wouldn't, wouldn't have a press conference about his demands. I guess. I don't know. It's tough to say. It seemed like the main point he was trying to make there is that it's like it was a new group and they hadn't really felt each other out yet. So knowing that now he would have handled things a bit differently because it's like he didn't know how they would react to what to how things were playing out because he'd never dealt with them before, which makes a lot of sense. It's it's how I read it too, was he really seemed to emphasize the new group of people and not really handling that part of it very well. That that he should have maybe spent some more time understanding how they communicated before he, he put something on the table? Is that that's how, it's, that's how it came across to me. Or just that he just didn't have that time you know, because everything was still new. So instead of trying to firm things up right away, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Like, it's hard to parse these words, but it just sounds like he didn't know how they were going to take what he said. So now that he does know, he might have done it differently. Um, I don't think anything he would have said would have gotten him a four-year contract, personally. 
No, maybe not. But maybe, you know, maybe he ends up with a three-year deal at more money instead of the one-year $18 million deal that he has now, right? Of course, Jose will tell you he has a three-year deal in his hands. Although it seems unlikely that it will ever turn into a three-year deal. Um, but it does allow him to say all the right things about wanting to end his career as a Blue Jay and having that potential and, and everything else, right? I think that's the purpose of the three-year options and everything else is is purely for the optics of when he goes at the end of the year, he can say, well, I, I set things up so I could be a Blue Jay, but it just didn't work out as opposed to, well, I was really itching to try my hands at free agency again. Yeah, I think it protects everybody on that level. All right, so I think I have covered all of our important team news, which means that uh, we're going to talk to a member of the team. We're very happy to have Mike Bolsinger join us from spring training and uh, talk about uh, his new team after being traded for the Dodgers last year. We'll be right back with him. And we are pleased tonight to be joined by Mike Bolsinger. Uh, He was drafted as a Diamondback. He was a Los Angeles Dodger. And now he is a Toronto Blue Jay uh, on the 40-man roster and in camp with the Blue Jays this spring. Welcome to Artificial Turf Wars. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, it's been a a big change for you, I assume, over the last uh, year or so. What was it like uh, finding out you'd been traded to to the only Canadian team in in MLB? It was surprising. Uh, You know, I was at a point with the Dodgers where I didn't think I was going to get traded at all. I didn't think there was any chance. I thought I was just, you know, going to be there for a while and, um, you know, lo and behold, I get a call when I'm out eating a burger for lunch by myself and um, <laughs> told me I got shredded and, you know, I was I was happy. It's, it, um, you know, Dodgers did a lot for me, but it's, it's always good to get a, a change of scenery and, um, you know, and to keep this baseball career going. So uh, I was very happy about it. Was there any apprehension, though, about coming to a different country? No, not at all. Um, more excitement, I think. Um, you know, while I was hurt with the Dodgers, my one goal was to get healthy before they came to Toronto because I'd never been in Toronto. You know, I've been to Vancouver before uh, playing in, in rookie ball um, back in 2010, but I wanted to get healthy, ended up not getting healthy. I was pretty disappointed that I missed that trip to go to Toronto. Uh, so now hopefully I, I get the opportunity to play there. Well, yeah, we hope so too. Now, as far as the, the organization, you're going from the Dodgers, which is an organization that seems to always be determined to make the playoffs, if, if necessary, by throwing all the money in the world at the problem. Um, and then you get traded to the Blue Jays, who are a team that are definitely in the hunt, but, but they're certainly not you know, a lock to, to win their division or anything. Were, were you thinking that that would be a, a better opportunity for you to join the, the big team, or, or where were you at? No, you know, none of those thoughts came to me. I'm, if you want to talk about rotations, I'm, you know, no disrespect to their starting rotation, but if you look at the starting rotation at the Blue Jays, that's as good as it gets. Um, especially those guys when they're, when they're healthy. It's, you know, I picking those guys over anyone in the major leagues and um you know i think the mentality now in the locker room is is not just to make the playoffs with this organization anymore it's more of you know okay we're going to make the playoffs we want a world series now um i think playoffs in this organization now is second nature it's just now hey let's get to the playoffs again like we know we're going to and let's win a world series. Uh, it's no longer, um, you know, our goal is to get to the playoffs. Uh, the goal more, um, more now is, you know, let's win a world series. We're going to get to the playoffs. Let's win a world series. Well, we would certainly be happy if that happened. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But you mentioned the very deep rotation here in Toronto. So obviously you've been a starter for your whole life. But to crack this roster, it's unless someone gets hurt, which obviously no one wants to happen, it will have to be as a reliever. Has the organization talked to you about that? 
Um, it's been floated around. Yeah. Um, I know I'll probably get stressed out in, in camp just in case anything happens, you know, hopefully nothing does happen, but, um, you know, I think I'll most likely be competing for one of those, uh, places in the bullpen, which I'm excited about. I always want to, uh, be a bullpen kind of guy. And it, it started to, I started to make that transfer last year when I got actually called down from the big leagues, um, with the Dodgers, you know, I actually told them, I was like, Hey, you know, what do you guys think about me going down and, and being a reliever coming out of the bullpen, you know, pitching back to back days, you know, one inning here, you know, three innings, two innings, you know, just something along those lines. And they were open to the idea. And that's what I was doing for the past month and a half. And, you know, my body felt awesome. It's just my mentality was so much better. Uh, coming out of the bullpen, but you know, I like starting too. It's fun. It's fun to get late in the game. Uh, your your adrenaline rushes, but um, I've come to notice that I think I can do both. So whichever way they want to use me or whatever they need, I think um, you know I'm going to be ready to do either one. So you're hmm. in camp, um, and now you're you're looking around and. Obviously, there's a certain camaraderie between the pitchers, um, both both the starters and the relievers. You know, you're you're all trying to get ready for a season, uh, but at the same time, you're obviously competing for a limited number of spaces, especially in a bullpen where um, it's sort of the most democratic part of the roster, where where you know performance is you know everything for those last couple spots. How do you you know how do you balance that out when you're t- when you're working with the guys and and you know and hanging out with them that they're they're both you know, competition and your friend? You know, I think everyone knows that there's some sort of competition um, going on with the bullpen, but it's very obsolete in the, in the locker room, uh, you know, around the field. I think everyone's more just having a good time. Um, That's something that, you know, it's always going to be in the back of your head. I'd be lying to you and say if it wasn't, but we're all out there having a good time. Um, getting to know new people, seeing older faces. Um, you know, I've played with Bo Schultz when uh, we were at the Diamondbacks together. So it's, it's fun that we're teammates again. Uh, you know, I played with J.P. Howe uh, 2015 and 2016 with the Dodgers. So it's, it's great to be teammates with him again. And then I'm meeting all these new guys. It's just the competition's going to be there. But I think the the bond that everyone's sharing is a little bit stronger. Um, to put into a a better way, I guess it's friendly competition going on right now. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We actually spoke to Bo Schultz last spring, about, and he said almost the exact same thing. So obviously, it's it's not just your opinion. People do you know they do care more about their teammates than just just the spot. Yeah. But switching gears just a little bit now, you're. As a pitcher, you're not, you know, the the, the flamethrower, you know, the, coming out of the bullpen. If you get that, get a role there in the upper 90s, you know, you, you looks you're more like cutters, curves, sliders, and you get a lot of strikeouts, a lot of swings and miss. Did you find that coming up, you had to fight against the radar gun? Um, at some points, yeah. Um, you know it. It was funny also when I became a reliever at AAA last year, I noticed my velocity actually kind of increased. So I've been all off season kind of excited to see if, you know, if this really does happen, if I do become a reliever, I'm kind of interested to see how it will affect my, my velocity. And I think it, you know, from past events, I think it's going to be a little bit better, but, you know, I've never been a velocity guy. I'm never the guy that, you know, coming up in the minors, hey, tell me what my – can you tell me what my highest velo was, blah, blah, blah. I've just been, you know, if I, if if I'm putting zeros up there and I got, you know, three or less hits in a game and I'm throwing seven innings, but you're out there pitching five innings and giving up five runs and throwing 96, you know, I'm more than happy to have this, the seven innings and no runs and giving up three hits. That's just always been my mentality. I've always loved to watch Greg Maddox pitch. And a lot of these guys that don't throw as hard. And, it, you know, like me, I, 
I work off my curveball. I think I've gotten it uh, good enough to where I could throw a first strike and, and throw it out of the zone when I want. Um, a lot of people forget, you know, command with your off-speed pitches is just as important as throwing hard because the more you throw those off-speed pitches, the harder that fastball is going to look. Yeah, for sure. And now that you're in camp, have you talked to Russell Martin about, you know, how you like to throw and maybe his thoughts on that kind of thing? You know, I haven't got a chance to really talk to him about how I throw. I actually throw a lot of bullpen tomorrow. So uh, hopefully I know there's going to be one at one point, I'm going to get a chance to, to throw to him. And, and the first thing that he said to everyone was, you know, don't be afraid to come up to me and, and talk to me and let me know how you throw no matter who you are. Um, so it was awesome to see that he's that kind of guy that just embraces um, the pitcher catcher relationship to anyone that was in camp. So uh, I'm guessing the next couple of days, hopefully me and him could cross paths and, and talk about the way that I throw. Now, obviously you had a, a good catcher in Los Angeles too, in Yasmani Grandal. How, how important is that relationship to a pitcher? I mean, we, we get a general idea you know, from watching the games and hearing people talk about it. But to you, I mean, does it really matter who's behind the plate? You know, I think it does. Um, I've been blessed to have good catchers my whole career through college, through the minors. I've never really caught that, that, that bad one that, you know, sometimes you hear about from pitchers, you know, oh, I don't want to throw this guy. <laughs> you know, actually, AJ and Yasmani were both, great catchers uh you know each had a little bit different things about them but uh, the relationship was there uh the communication was there and they always made it out to where you could just go up to them at any time and talk to them about anything that was going on how you felt um and they made it a lot easier you know if, if you have a great good relationship with a catcher it makes pitching in my mind, just that much easier. You know, it's already hard to pitch in the big leagues. Um, so when you have a good relationship with someone that, who's been there longer than you and knows the game a little bit more than you do, it helps tremendously. That's food for thought. Um, now, I'm just going to kind of break it wide open here. Over the off season, <laughs> we've had a commissioner and, and a, uh, you know, management in the game bring out a, a whole sort of laundry list of ideas about changing the strike zone and maybe implementing pitch clocks and then deciding that extra inning games were no fun the way they are and they should put a runner on second base. Um, when you hear that as a player, do, do, you, do you have the same reaction to every rule change or, or sometimes are you thinking, well, I guess maybe they should try that or, or are you, you know, have you ever heard something and thought, well, that's just crazy. There's, there's no point to that. Um, you know what, uh, to be honest with you, I hadn't thought anything was crazy up until I heard the extra innings runner on second. I would have to, there there has to be more stipulations with that whole thing. Maybe there's a runner on second with two outs. Uh, you know, who gets charged with that run? <laughs> <laughs> if they're getting charged with that run if he comes in. Um, that's just something that. I haven't really thought about it until I heard that one. I just thought that was, I don't know. That's not my cup of tea. I, I, I wouldn't agree with that person. I know there's a bunch of people that probably wouldn't either. Um, but that's basically probably the only thing that I have sat down and scratched my head and went, you know, let me let me think about what's going on around here right now. So um, if they move so, the strike not zone. Too many Sorry, if they move the strike zone up a couple inches or, or down a couple inches uh, or, you know, shift that around a little bit, do, do you feel like it would make a difference? I think you'd probably have to talk to a hitter about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm actually more of a guy that does pitch up in the strike zone. So if you want to kick that thing up a little bit, you all you're doing is helping me out. So I don't know how the hitters, you'd have to ask one of them. They probably wouldn't like that as much because, you know, I've had a bat in my hand, and it's hard enough to to hit in the big leagues, and it's hard enough to hit anyways. But just to be in the big leagues and facing these pitchers, it's 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 tough. And um, but in my eyes, in the pitcher's view, yeah, if you want to move it up, move it up. I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So uh, usually we we uh, 
if our guests like somebody uh, enjoy you know the kind of thing you said we give them an opportunity to follow them on Twitter I must confess I have someone with your name on Twitter with a green check mark is that you oh, yes that is me <laughs> so at M Bolsinger if you want to follow Mike um, and see what he's been up to lately um, we really do appreciate you stopping by and uh, and talking to us today and all the best of luck in spring and uh, we hope there's a role for you on the team thank you very much it was awesome anytime Really appreciate it. Have a good night. Thank you. Have a good one. And we are back. And that was a wonderful chat with uh, Mr. Bolsinger. He was pretty laid back for a guy who's in a, you know, in a competition. He seemed willing to do just about anything and be happy about it. Yeah, it's actually nice to hear that. And I'm, I really do want to see him make this team just because, like, you know, look at the success he had in 2015. If he can bring that to the bullpen, it could be another nice piece. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it is a crowded field right now, which is what you want in spring training, you know. Um, but uh, all the best to him. Certainly he's, he's, you know, not going in with a chip on his shoulder from everything we talked to him about. No. No, he seems really relaxed and just ready to to battle which is eh, you kind of like to hear that right guys not they're not pushing and pressing it's just you know if i'm good enough to, to to get to this spot i'll get it yeah exactly all right so moving on to those good old fashioned listener questions time now to hear from our listeners that just seems silly here are the rules first i ask a question then you ask a question now how does that sound sweetheart could you repeat the question please Ah, stepping up our game. All right. We turn to the Twitter machine. <laughs> uh, we start from a question from last week, uh, and apparently Trilly Mopena at Simon Cott knew he was late because he said, here's one for next week. Rank these three by innings played in left field in 2017. Pierce, Pompey, Guriel. Uh, that was a little dark horse there, candidate at the end. Josh. Ooh, that, that's tough. I think it's going to end up in the order that those were listed. Pierce, most, Pompey, second, and Lourdes Guriel, possibly none at all. Yeah, I'd say that's the most likely scenario. I would love to see it, though, flip the first two. Pompey is as, as the left fielder, and then Pierce playing a whole lot of first base. Um, yeah, the Justin Upton question, I guess, is a different question. Do you agree with that? Justin Upton. As, Sorry, yeah. One of the Uptons. Uh, Chris, do you agree with the assessment of, of Pierce getting most of those innings? Uh, I, I think that's the way we're going to see it, the way that he lined them up here. Um, but I agree with Josh. I'd love to flip the first two and see that. Everybody wants Pompey to do well, but nobody seems to want to lay any of their reputation on it, I've noticed. A lot of people on Team Pompey on Twitter, I guess. But, uh, yeah, everything's still up in the air with him. I, I, I would love him to show something, because it looked two I mean, years he's ago. he's only like 24, he so. Uh, see, the, the, the further you go with he is only, every year he is only. How old's Tra uh, Travis Snyder now? <laughs> yeah, but the difference with, with Travis Snyder and all this, if Dalton Pompey never comes to the big leagues at 21, if he just goes through a normal progression through the minors, we're talking about him was a top prospect based on his production in the minor leagues. But because he got rushed to the big leagues for no reason, he's seen as a bust. It makes no sense. That sounds exactly like Travis Snyder. No, not really. Travis Snyder kept getting yo-yoed up and down, never getting to play. It wasn't that he, that he got rushed. Did he not come to the bigs at 21? Yeah, but then he got benched. It wasn't, it, it wasn't that he, he was rushed and he was ready. Pompey was not. All right, fair enough. Uh, question two. Jordan Epstein, or Epstein, depending. Uh, I've seen some Sacramento Kings fans talk about not cheering for the team until there's new management. How bad a trade would the Jays have to make? And then there's a follow-up tweet. Or what other form of mismanagement would it take before you consider and follow through on that? That not cheering for the team. Chris, what what? Josh betrayal? Donaldson for anybody. Donaldson for anybody. <laughs> 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 we go Donaldson straight up for Trout, and Chris is like, 
Damn. No. <laughs> Hate them. <laughs> Uh, no players named after fish on my team. <laughs> I draw the line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Former management, moving the team. That's what it would have to take. <laughs> Essentially, in a more serious manner, it would be like the Oakland deal on our end for Donaldson. Something like that. Even then, it wouldn't get me to, you know, ban the team. I would still cheer for them. I've been through hell with this team, so nothing will make me stop cheering for them, but that's going to be one of the, a huge deal for say Donaldson would definitely make me boo. <laughs> Do you have a, a line you won't cross Josh? Aside from moving the team. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I guess if they really just went hard slash on the payroll, given everything that's going on. And I mean like down into the eighties and the, you know, in the, the double digit millions, then it might really give me pause with the support. But other than that, I can't really see anything. I, I can see not purchasing tickets. I can see not yeah, sure. purchasing seats. Like I can see certainly scaling back if the team was apparently just going to punt a few seasons. Uh, but I know largely that, the, you know, when I talk to you guys, I'm talking to people who were here during the interbrew years. So yep. <laughs> if that didn't end it, what possibly could end it? <laughs> a large German conglomerate who doesn't know which end of the bat to hold owns your baseball team. How's it going? <laughs> Not <Yeah>. so hot. <laughs> but you are still there. Uh, uh, are we going to read uh, a question from, from the return of Gideon Turk? Sure, I think it's kind of a, a silly one. I'll read uh, it out. Go ahead. So this is from Gideon. Will the Blue Jays put Pompey on the roster and have Bautista take his at bats a la Canseco brothers? It, this, is it, is a, a, this is based on a joke <laughs> that when Ozzy and Jose Canseco were on the team, who are identical twins, that there was some joke that it was actually Jose taking his at bats. <laughs> because they're not identical was, in ability. Yeah, and there's a picture that came out today where Dalton Pompey with his beard looked an awful lot like Jose Bautista. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. Well, what do you say? <laughs> I, I think they might catch on. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, <laughs> next question is uh, Ewan Ross, old friend of the podcast. Huh? <laughs> Please specifically talk about how terrible an idea putting a baseball team in Vegas is. Specifically. Specifically. What's the worst thing about putting a baseball team in Vegas, Chris? It's Las Vegas. Who's going to go see baseball in Las Vegas? We were having this problem with hockey, right? Well, I think hockey is this an idea. Least... Has, this, has this been discussed? Uh, Rob Manfred, who we're going to get to again. <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> yeah, he, he mentioned it as a potential destination for a team. Um, so the field that's already there, is, is it not the hardest baked piece of garbage available and it's like 120 degrees during the day and the ball doesn't fly normally because they're at a high elevation? Does that yeah, cover but the I mean, three main problems? Coors Field from existing or but just in in the logistical sense, nobody in Vegas that lives there has money. There are there are some rich people on the outskirts, but in Las Vegas itself, it's a city of people who work in the service industry. Who don't and it's really. only got six hundred thousand people, so it's not a, you know a large metropolitan center. It just doesn't seem like an ideal spot, especially given all the other teams nearby in Phoenix and Los Angeles. It's a strange one, to be sure. But it seems to be the very invoke thing to do is to put your team in Las Vegas. Like those, yep. like that NHL team that possibly has a name that may or may not be overruled by someone else's copyright still. Anyway, uh, that's enough NHL talk. Skeeter, at Spezbaby, says, uh, Gagny, 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 wow. Gagny, yay or nay? I assume that's They're Gagny. I assume that refers to his comeback, potentially, at 42? 41? 41. Oh, he's a spring chicken. I was wrong. 
Yay or nay, Chris? Obvious nay. Josh? I'm going the other way on it. Positivity. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I would not give him a major league deal. But, <laughs> no, but apparently he's throwing 92, 93 miles an hour. If he's still got that change up, I mean, what's the harm? Like, I'd give him a shot. Why not? All right. Why not? We're talking about a guy that once upon a time was the very best relief pitcher in baseball. I mean, if he's nothing, well, no harm done. You've had some fun people getting going to see games in Buffalo. But, I mean, if he can get people out, <laughs> it's worth a shot, right? You are in a good mood tonight. I'll give you that. Uh, hit me with another question. All right. Here, oh, well, we're going to skip this one from Luke because we yeah. have do-overs. But, uh... <laughs> So this is from Brad Urbanowitz. Who would you guys say is the opening day starter? Um, who would I say? Who is it likely to be? Who is it likely to be? You can take it, Greg. I think we're looking at Aaron Sanchez, are we not? I think it's, it's the obvious pick, unless you're really worried about getting Marcus Stroman's feathers ruffled. But yeah, I start with Aaron Sanchez. Chris? Yeah. I, I I go with Sanchez too, although something tells me that it's going to be Stroman. Really? Oh, that would shock me. If if it's not Strom Stroman, if it's not Sanchez, I think it would be someone like Jahap. Just to reward what these guys did last yeah, year. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you, you start know, the, with Marco Estrada though. I don't think you opening day him. No, especially even given his back problems. But I could see Sanchez going at the back of the rotation, just like. We don't want to blow his innings through the top. It just this is an artificial way to knock him back a start. So you're saying Francisco Liriano? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'd love that. I love Liriano. <laughs> uh, did you miss the question by James Gorman intentionally or by accident? I skipped it by mistake. All right. So he asks if Morno looks good at the WBC, maybe a cheap option over Justin Smoke. Chrissy? Chrissy, is that what I'm going down by? Okay. Uh, Chris S. <laughs> <laughs> How can I say this in a positive way? I would like to see pretty much anybody but Smoke. <laughs> so I'm going to go yes. Huh. I don't know. I mean, the guy, has he can't really stay on the field, and he's 36. Didn't hit that well last year. Smoke really I, I mean, hit. another guy. Oh, no. <laughs> I couldn't hear what that said. Sorry, he said Smoke really can't uh, uh, do that thing that he's supposed to be doing um, with the bat. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I don't know that Morno would necessarily be any better. Again, it's like minor league deal, which I can't see him getting much more than that at this point. Great. Give him a shot. And if he starts mashing... But the thing is, it's not a cheap option over smoke anymore because any cheap option has to include smoke salary. Yeah, because they're on the hook for that regardless because I don't think anybody's trading for Justin Smoke at this stage. So, uh, yeah, Justin Smoke. First base. Yeah, Ross Atkins had an interesting comment. He's like, this, is, this team is at its best if Justin Smoke earns the first base job. Which I guess means Justin Smoke hits like he did in 2015 for a whole season, where he was decent, you know, decent, passable. But yeah, but given everything we've seen, and I, I would expect that it's going to be Steve Pierce getting most of the time there. Uh, which again, we go back to that what happens in left field question. Round and round we go. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, that does sum up all of our questions, I believe. Except for the two that we have left. What? Oh my god. I'm not with it. I am so sorry for not being with it. Alex Hume at ahume92. Do you see any way Sparkman makes the team? And if not, does he end up back with KC? Uh, Sparkman rule 5 pick, so he cannot be put in the minors. Um, Josh, I like saying Sparkman. <laughs> do, you, do you think there's any way he makes the team? I I don't know. I, I think it's going to be really tough. Even though he is a Rule 5 pick and has to go back, 
and the, you know everyone thinks that you know with what happened with Joe Biagini last year that they don't catch lightning in a bottle twice. But we've got Joe Smith, JP Howell, uh, Joe Biagini, Grilly, and Osuna. That's five spots that are locked up. And then you've got you know Mike Bolsinger, who's I'd say has an inside track. You got Gavin Floyd. You got Bo Schultz. A whole bunch of guys that can't be kept either. So I would say he's got a tough road ahead. He's got to be basically perfect in spring training. Do you have any strong feelings about the name Sparkman, Chris? Yeah, who is Sparkman? <laughs> <laughs> Those uh, are my strong feelings. Who? <laughs> this is the, this is the Chris doesn't pay attention to baseball Sherwin episode of the podcast. <laughs> Uh, some things are, they don't change. Even when you go on a little, uh, sabbatical, um, you can come back and start not paying attention to baseball right away. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I, I would guess he does end up back in Kansas city. Um, hit me with the last question, my friend. Which friend? Josh, we haven't let you read a question yet. We don't trust you with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You actually did let me read a question, but I skipped one by mistake, so you probably shouldn't trust me with this stuff. <laughs> but okay, so this is from Mike at GoSendsGo101. Extremely sideline reporter voice. Talk about Dalton Pompey going to the WBC. That's, that's a great question, Mike. I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, I think there's no harm in Dalton Pompey getting some reps at the WBC and representing his country. I, I don't. It's not, again, it's not like him, Russell Martin, playing out of position or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, why the heck not? Good Canadian boy, as I my extreme Don Cherry phrasing. Chris? Chris I'd, another... well, I'd like to see him obviously get some reps and watch Twitter overreact. That, that would be quite entertaining for me. Okay, for my he... sense, I, I took this sort of as a, uh, there was something that came out which a reasonable argument from Andrew Stoughton advice saying that Dalton Pompey should not be going. He should be in camp trying to fight for the job. But the other side, which I happen to, Mike was saying this and I happen to agree with it is that he's going to get more reps with a WBC because he'll play nine innings. He'll be facing better competition. And, you know, I think that he'd have to go with the blessing of his coaches. So I, I can't think that this is anything but good for him. Yeah, I don't think it's going to hurt his chances with the organization. Like, I, I don't, you know, if they said, no, you, you shouldn't go, I don't think he'd be going. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, so I, I doubt that that would be a factor uh, for those speculating on that. It just doesn't seem to make any sense to me because he's a, he's a young player. He's under team control. You know, they're going to dictate to him if they don't think that WPC is where he should be. And at this point, he has no reason to disobey their, their whim. Yep. All right. So those are for real. I promise this time all the questions until you people <laughs> shoot some more at us during the podcast recording time and we don't notice because that's never happened before. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving right along to the do over. What did you say? Oh my God. Did you really just say that? But we can try again, right? I guess we are talking about a do. We're talking about multiple do-overs. We didn't even know where to start <laughs> this week. Uh, is our preference for Randy Levine? Yeah, let's let's start it off with the. That's like chronologically guess, the is, first one, I think. Yeah, I mean, is one worse than the other? <laughs> They're all so bad. Uh, how not to baseball one hundred and one? So, uh, the Yankees went to arbitration with their super reliever. Dylan Batances, and they won. Uh, they got the $3 million instead of the $5 million that Batances wanted. And that probably should have been the end of the story. But... I can't believe it wasn't. <laughs> but what did we get out of Randy Levine, Josh? So, for some strange reason, after winning the hearing... Randy Levine decides to get in front, call a press conference, and talk about the hearing. And basically, 
called out Randy Levine, sorry, called out Dylan Batansis' agent saying that he was trying to do a half-baked attempt to use a player to change a well-established market that had no bearings in reality. <laughs> it's, like, it's like me saying I'm not the president of the Yankees. I'm an astronaut. I'm not an astronaut. And Dylan Batansis is not a closer. It just kept going on and on and on. You'd think they lost, right? Yeah. They won. <laughs> I just didn't understand. I was like, it's, yeah, it's like Donald Trump going on and, and complaining about the, the crowds at the inauguration. It's like, it's your inauguration. You already, you're the victor. Don't worry about the details here. You just move on and don't draw any attention to it. Because chances are the next time someone goes to arbitration with the Yankees, uh, they're not going to play softball. I don't think. They're going to go in hard. And the next time they have to talk to Dylan Badonces about a contract, all that he's going to think about is how you badmouth them in private and then you went out of your way to badmouth them in public for no reason at all because it's not going to yeah. affect the process and and then he's like you know the last couple of years they've really asked me to take the ball a lot you know which we we've talked about in this podcast i believe ties had nothing in september the last couple of years and he's like you know what maybe this time i'll rethink that <laughs> like, great job randy <laughs> uh you just took all the good faith you might have built up with that player and you just just lit it on fire Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wounds may heal in three years, but for now, we're going to offer you an opportunity to take that back, Randy, by coming on the podcast and saying that there was no reason for you to hold a pro- press conference. It was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't hear my phone ringing. Okay. Um, number, I I don't even feel like Rob Manfred is one do over anymore. Feel like I think it should. Do we rename this thing? I mean, we just created that nice drop. Uh, man, the Rob Manfred Honorary Do-Over Award? <laughs> uh, so what have you got for us, Chris, from, from the Rob Manfred file? <laughs> Mr. Manfred said there will not be substantive rule changes in 2017 due to the lack of cooperation from the MLBPA. So that that actually is a hint that there are going to be substantive rule changes in 2018 <laughs> because he doesn't need to consult with anyone after a year goes by, which to me is a really weird rule in the CBA. Like, did you know about that, either of you, before now? That when they discuss a rule change, if the MLBPA rejects it, the next year they can just change the rule anyway? Yeah, which uh, that's what Susan Slusser was saying he was going to do. He said he, was, he would unilaterally impose them. Basically, I, I forget the, the name of the stupid committee that Joe Torrey runs, like the <laughs> Spirit of the Game or whatever nonsense it is. If they recommend something and then the league gives it to the players for approval, if they reject it after one year, <laughs> then they get to they just put it in, which is the dumbest thing ever. I don't know how that ever made it into the language. Yeah, somebody was like asleep or something. It was like, well, we have to wait a whole year, but we can still screw with the game any way we feel like, no matter how loudly you had protested the previous year. How pissed are the players going to be about this? I mean, what is he thinking? Uh, I don't know. I I genuinely don't know. We have uh, raising the strike zone, and we have the potential for pitch clock. And we have the potential for that goofball, put a runner on second like you're playing an international tournament rule. No, he actually, he did nix that one. He said, oh, that he one, that's just for developmental leagues. Oh, yay. <laughs> Sanity. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, we have one actually that will be coming potentially in 2017, which I thought was, was pretty funny. Now that was, you had another tweet about that. How was that phrased, Chris, about the uh, intentional walk? Oh, yes. Uh, Team and MLBPA sources are telling me baseball has approved a dugout signal for an intentional walk effective for 2017 season. That came just a couple hours ago from what I saw on Twitter. My brain goes racing when I hear about a dugout signal and all of the possibilities lying therein. If you were a, a major league manager, Josh, what signal would you like to give the umpire for an intentional walk? If you could pick any signal whatsoever, you hold up four fingers. <laughs> oh, see that? No imagination at all. <laughs> oh, what would I like to do? <laughs> yes. 
Oh, geez. You put me on the spot there. There's so much. Cre- I would have to really think of something good. Like if you look over and he's doing jumping jacks. Moonwalking. <laughs> uh, if he's got one of those leashes uh, that doesn't actually have a dog on it, but it looks like it has a dog. <laughs> if you're waving that around, that means it's a walk. Get it? It's a walk. No. Um, or, there are any number of rude gestures that I'm sure a manager would love to have the opportunity to just throw at the umpire and the umpire not be able to do anything about that. <laughs> We're getting so far off the rails with this do-over. Uh, yeah, we are. I, I confess. Um, what is Rob Manfred? Why is he trying to constantly re- remake this game? Is Is the goal, which keeps sort of coming up, is the goal really to tighten up the baseball game. I guess. Yeah, but it's, it's like, congratulations, you've slowed down intentional walks. They happen one every two games and you save 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and, and again, like, big deal. Um, a lot of these other rules that, I don't know, I just, like you added replay. And when you added replay, that's fine. I, I, I like the idea of replay. But you also added like 30 seconds delay every time there's a close play because you built in an opportunity for the coach to have someone look at the video before he challenges it. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing for me is, was pace of play an issue until he started making it one? Did anyone care? That's what always gets me as well. Is like I don't even see it being brought up by anyone. Like, where did he just bring this out like like where did he come up with this i i think there's there's probably a study or a focus group that says the people who are not watching baseball are not watching baseball because it's slow that that's where i'm guessing it came from do i I don't know that for a fact i can see that being a, a reasoning behind it it's not about people who are already watching baseball because we'll watch it if it's its current speed or a bunch faster or even a little bit slower because we already love baseball. But convincing people to get over that hump of, oh, there's nothing happening, who are not baseball fans, that's where I believe you've, you've got this idea that it needs to be a quicker game. And again, I, I think if it was actually directed to making it more of a quicker game in a way where there, the gaps actually exist in the game, pitching coaches going to the mound, um, guys stepping out of the box, uh, you know, guys contemplating life between pitches, um, stuff like how long does it take to get someone his wrist brace on and his knee guard off after he gets on first base? Is there a way to enforce? These are things that happen all the time, and none of them have been addressed by anything that, that Mr. Manfred has suggested, which is the weird part for me. What is the do-over, yeah. Josh? Just stop trying to mess with this game. I mean, we've said this sober over and over again, but also especially don't harp and harp and harp on the pace of play to a point where everyone thinks it's something and then fail to actually put something in place to the point where you have to enforce it and piss off everybody. Wait till you know their support for something and then put it out there. Indeed. All right. So I am going to go to final thoughts because that's my prerogative. And Chris, you warned me that you would have a final thought. Have you remembered I did. It? I often don't. I often <laughs> don't have a final thought when I, you know, am actually on the show. But this time, I've had quite a bit of time to prepare for this. <laughs> <laughs> but this is new. This is a final thought from just, just recent activity. And it's about the Dexter Fowler thing um, that happened just recently. Um, he got into... You know, he he kind of was a little outspoken on Twitter. Uh, he, I, I guess, he his family had some some issues with the travel ban that that Trump put into place. Yeah, um, his wife's Iranian, right? Yeah, so she like she couldn't get in, and the, the, you know there was the whole family and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know he he got into it with a whole bunch of people, and then he made the famous tweet. For the record, I know this is going to sound absolutely crazy, but athletes are humans. And not properties of the team they work for. And I mean, I loved it. And of course, this makes news. And what, you know, grinds my gears a bit is that this was all over the media. 
and everybody was talking about it. And yet Trevor Bauer can go on Twitter and just harp his ridiculous fascist views on what's happening in America. And nobody talks about it except, you know, maybe some angry Blue Jay fans (laughs) messaging him on Twitter. So, you know, I just, I praise Dexter Fowler for what he did. And, uh, I'm just I'm I'm a little sick and tired of him taking flack for it. But fair enough. I think you're absolutely right. He has a right to speak his mind, whatever his mind may be. I, I don't know that we should, uh, you know, uh, Trevor Bauer is Trevor Bauer. He's kind of a hothead. But certainly, if you have personal investment in something that's, that's affected you, you shouldn't have to shut up because you're a ball player. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Does Josh have a final thought? I do. Uh, this is actually just passed on to me. Uh, apparently, Facebook is in discussions with Major League Baseball to get live streaming rights to a game per week. Major one. League Baseball game. Just one? Well, I, I mean, considering MLB TV, I'm surprised that that's even a thing. Ah, okay. Fair enough. I mean, hmm. that's big for Facebook to be able to live stream sports. And, I guess. you know, it's a good, good for baseball, too. If, I mean, you know, if they're willing to get into these kind of markets, it could be a nice big revenue stream for that could go into, you know, into the team coffers and then help raise some payrolls. Maybe Facebook streams can only be three hours long and Rob Manfred is looking to the future. <laughs> Software limitation of some kind. Full circle. <laughs> uh, I would like to talk as a final thought about barbed wire baseball bats. Because TV show The Walking Dead shipped out prop barbed wire baseball bats to some of some of the teams around in spring training. And and this was a promotional item. Now, there are people who have objections to the barbed wire baseball bats as in terms of the the violence that they represent. I and I, I understand that. And I don't think that those those objections to barbed wire wrapped bats are wrong. Uh, but that's not what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the target audience for this promotion. It doesn't seem to make any sense to me. So if you had no idea what The Walking Dead was um, and you saw that the barbed wire wrapped baseball bat was provided, is the idea that you draw a connection between The Walking Dead and baseball and then therein you watch an episode or two of The Walking Dead in order to find out in a zombie apocalypse... (laughs) the baseball bat factors or the game of baseball factors in because that would be the only interest I could see of a, of a baseball band specifically needing to be shown the bat. And then you actually watch the show. What is your reaction when the bat is, is not used in the context of a game? Like, are you just watching along? Oh, look, the bat finally showed up. It's love. Oh my God. Oh no. Oh my God. What did he do? I, I don't, I don't think that gets you a lot of extra fans of the walking dead. So I don't, I would love to know what the marketing person's thought was as far as broadening their audience. Because it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I'm sure I'll get a tweet about that now, about how it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Lastly, (laughs) very lastly, we have an announcement to make. And I'm going to hand it over to Josh to make it. Go, Josh. All right. Thank you. So, we've been doing this podcast for... I think we're at 172 episodes now when you go back to base, Blue Jays Plus. We do it for fun and for you guys, but it's getting a bit harder to make the time and, and get, get all the effort to get everybody together. So we have created a Patreon account, which hopefully, if you like what we do, if we provide you with a little bit of fun, laughter, you go donate to, a little bit to our cause. You know, we have a bunch of prizes. You know, If you spend X dollars a month, you can come on the podcast and play some games like swing and a drive if you get to an even higher level we'll you, i'll take you to a jays game and there's a bunch of things if you just go to patreon.com slash turf pod or go to the podcast post you'll find it anything you know any help would be much appreciated really what we're saying is if you like what we do we're not asking for the moon um we, we just ask for a little positive reinforcement if you would consider it if not please continue on listening for free absolutely keep submitting listener questions we like interacting with you that way um, and that means we have come to the end of another podcast. So, I have been Greg Wisniewski at Cool at Twenty Ten, and you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem and Chris Sherwin at CW Sherwin. And our guest was 
Mike Bolsinger at M Bolsinger, and we thank him very much for joining us from Blue Jay Spring Training. And you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash turfpod. This has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 45, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>